You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki back with you on Leap Year Eve here, Wednesday, February 28th. Uh, just about nine days before the NHL trade deadline. A uh, little bit of a change of pace since the last time we were on here. I think, believe the last time we recorded was um, back in January in the midst of the wild injury epidemic where literally seven, eight, nine players were injured. They had lost, like, I think at that time, might have been seven in a row when he recorded. And now I believe eight, two, and one or something in their last 11 or whatever it is. Um, so we'll talk about where we think the wild are. We have some exciting prospect news to get to. Um, and then of course we'll talk a little bit on the trade deadline as that approaches, but as we always do before we get into everything, as we always do, got to check in with the fellas, Justin hockey season, wrapping up for the kiddos. Aside from that, how are things? Uh, doing well. Yeah. Two weeks left. I can't believe how fast the season went. Um, things are going well though. Um, so well, just bear with me with the show cause, uh, my voice is a little, gone from being sick but uh we're getting better and uh looking forward to uh baseball season now and i guess summer hockey but yeah been been good good and busy but uh good busy as always good to hear zeke what about you yeah i know just uh, doing pretty good i was also uh dealing with a bit of a stomach bug over the last three or four days so today is the first day i finally was able to get out of the house and you know do some things so it's good to be here with you guys at the end of it to wrap it up, talk some wild. Uh, got about a week till the boys hockey tournament here, which is always a lot of fun for everyone. I know we were talking about that in the group chat last week. So it'll be a, got a lot of good stuff coming up here uh, in hockey world and everything. So. Yeah, I'm just realizing, because I think the trade deadline is, it's Friday next week, right? That, yeah. That right? Yes. The 8th. Uh, the 8th, right? yeah. Yeah. I'm realizing like, hmm, hopefully nothing major happens because I'm going to be at the state tournament. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the deadline will be right in between, like, the first two games of the morning session. So, hopefully everything yeah. happens in that 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, it's always – it's always. I feel like the state tournament, like, our kids' jamboree is always over the state tournament. So, I'm like – Yeah, whoever is planning that needs, like, a stern talking to. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll bring it up. <laughs> hey, come on. You can't, can't schedule stuff during the tournament. Yeah. Like it, it really should just – like, that Friday before the, the state tournament yeah. should just be a statewide holiday. Or like not not before the Friday of the state tournament should be a national yeah. holiday or a well, statewide holiday. Honestly, national holiday. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. um, put that on ESPN or where, no, actually don't put it on ESPN. Put it on some good channel. Yeah, don't don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> put it on a good channel somewhere. Um, stream it on Amazon. I don't care. Um, national holiday for the boys high school hockey state tournament. Um, hopefully, your team, if you have a team in it, that they're winning. Um, if you're any Dyna fan at the time of this recording. Uh, they're up two to one. I am for one night and one night only. Any Dyna fan, well, maybe one of two nights, 
Uh, my girlfriend teaches there, and if they get to the state tournament and then win their first game, I might have an in to get tickets to the Friday evening session, which are notoriously mm-hmm. difficult to get for those that have tried in the past. So it's the only conditions I have for rooting for a Niner. Win tonight, win the first game, then they can lose. I don't yes. care. Um, <laughs> Hill Murray already won, so cake eater there. Well, yeah. in, but uh, We won't talk too much about that. Um, we got a lot of wild stuff to talk to. And I think one of the most exciting things will be at the tail end of our first uh, second year with the prospects. So not to spoil, just in case you haven't heard yet, so we'll save it. But Justin, we'll... You haven't uh, heard you've been living under a rock. (laughs) Or you just really want to hear everything from us one month at a time. That's true. That's the way it is. All the power to you. Uh, Well, Justin, we'll go to you here with the prospect update. All right. I'll uh, do my best here, like I said, with my voice. But uh, I'll start with the NCAA. Kind of touch on guys that have been doing good recently. Uh, Rieger Lorenz had a goal over the past weekend. It's his ninth goal, 19th point of the season, uh, 32 games. Um, I mean, I feel like every time I see his goal, he has a really good shot, and I honestly think he could be one of our dark horse prospects, um, having a pretty decent season at Denver. Uh, Charlie Strammel helped Wisconsin win three nights ago, uh, picked up, I believe, the primary assist on the game-winning goal. Still only eight points in 28 games, kind of a tough season, but – you know, I'm still going to be patient with the kid. I mean, there is a little concern there um, with how, you know, how his season's gone. But I think part of that might be the system he's in and how he's used. Um, so, like we always say, development isn't linear. We'll see how it goes. Um, move on to the OHL. Uh, Rasmus Kublanen had a two-goal game last game. He's playing currently i don't think he has a point tonight yet but uh still a little bit of time to go in that game he's up to 43 points in 47 games um he's been taking a lot of draws lately a uh, player that could you know hopefully slot in maybe bottom six center in the future but last game he won 18 or 24 faceoffs and he's been taking you know anywhere from like 15 to 25 faceoffs a night so that's that's good to see can you kill penalties that's what i want to know what's yeah. that can you kill penalties? Because if they can get a you know a good size center that can kill penalties and win a face off, like just instant perfect fourth liner, like give me that all day. Yeah. To be honest, I'm not quite sure. I should try to catch one of those games. See if he ends up on the penalty kill. I might might do that with one of his next couple games here and Sweet. figure that out. Um. I mean, to be fair, back- to be a penalty kill in the wild, the bar's pretty low. That's true right now. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to be good at it. You just have to be able to do it. You have to be on it. Yeah, you just have to be on it. <laughs> You're a big body. Just yeah. block a shot. Notice I said, can he play the penalty kill? I didn't say, is he good at it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, two of our better penalty killers are on the trade block, so we'll, we'll see. Jeez, spoiler. Oh, dang it. I mean, not yet. <laughs> uh, I believe you would do that. Moving on, Servak <laughs> uh, Petrovsky had a four-point week, sitting at 45 points, 46 games. I didn't say names. I just hinted. <laughs> I didn't say any names either. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the WHL. Riley Height had an incredible week. He was our player of the week, prospect of the week on the Young Guns page. He was also, also the WHL player of the week. He had an 11-point week in four games. Uh, four goals, seven assists. He's touched the 100-point mark on the season in 56 games. He's tied for first in the CHL in points with uh, Furcus Circus, Jaeger Furcus. Um, and he's been winning a, a buttload of faceoffs too, so another player 
that's good to see winning a bunch of draws. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that. I was going to spoil something else, but we'll <laughs> we'll hold off on that. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the ECHL, Pavel Novak and Kyle Masters are playing for the Iowa Heartlanders and step below the Iowa Wild. Uh, Novak has had a decent season, eight goals, eight assists, 26 games. He's having a decent season, and he has five points in his last four games, uh, kind of on a bit of a hot streak here. And Kyle Masters has 11 points, two plus nine in 17 games. He's also riding a point streak of four games, uh, all assists, but um, good to see them doing well in the ECHL. Hopefully we see them in the AHL fairly soon. Iowa continues their tough season. Um, Wallstead has had some tough starts, but he's had little help in front of him. Uh, last I checked, I'll check right now. It's a two, Their game is 2-2 in overtime right now. Wallstead had a huge save in the third period. Uh, Bank here scored his seventh goal of the season, and, uh, yeah, hopefully they can win because they've been on a little bit of a skid here. Um, mm-hmm. Beckman has been another player on fire for them. He's up to 15 goals on the season and has six goals in his last seven games. I think uh, maybe being called up twice, not being played, just lit a fire under his butt or something. Yeah, well, and it it seemed inevitable at the time too, like when they did call him up. You know, it was he had, he had he hadn't. I don't think he had scored, but he had like like 27 shots or like 26 shots in his mm-hmm. last like three yeah. games. It was like some absurd like boldy heater type like right. shots on goal. Um, people are like, well, he hasn't done anything in him, like. The, the goals will come if you're getting yeah. if you're getting seven eight shots a game like eventually like the math mm-hmm. will say one of those is going to start going in every game almost. right like even if it goes off your face right <laughs> or your <laughs> butt or some other body part yeah, i want to make a funny comment about that that pavel told me he said what are the the odds that a player with the last name nosen scores a goal with his nose <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> I think there's no shakes still in the league because it would be like a, I don't know. You'd have to. Oh, do, yeah. Yeah, I mean, have to take, it's a pretty low number. You know? Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to, I'd have to think it'd be a, a good bet to have the other night. <laughs> oh I'm man! I'm getting that prop bet on prize picks. Yeah. Oh, I'll move on to the SHL here after that comment here. <laughs> uh, Liam Ugren. Rails here. <laughs> it is early. Uh, Ugren missed a, a, a good chunk of the season. We haven't due even gotten to Goudreau rant yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Leave him alone. He's just standing there minding his own business. Hey, hey, Don't beat me to the punchline. Leave him alone. Oh. Okay. All right, Liam Ugrin, he missed a good chunk of the season due to injury, but he has um, yesterday scored his ninth goal of the season. He's up to 13 points in 21 games, riding a six-game point streak, so he's on a heater again. We kind of see this every season. The second half of the season, he seems to just kind of go off. Um, even though he missed part of the season, he's uh, third best in the SHL for goals a game, .43 goals a game, even with his limited limited time. So continue to see good things out of him. And then finally, we'll move on to the KHL. Uh, Vladislav Firstov, his team made the playoffs seventh in the West, finished the regular season with 35 points in 67 games for a torpedo. So solid season for him there again. Uh, Danila Yurov, uh, his team finished with 
first place in the Eastern Conference. She led the team in points, finished with 49 points in 62 games, which is the top age 20 season points-wise in KHL history. Uh, he also led his team not just in points but goals too, so um, solid season. Sounds like he'll be signing a one-year deal over there, but the pen to paper has not happened yet that I've seen, so we'll see. And then finally, Murat Huznadinov, Sochi, did not make the playoffs. He finished the season with 20 points in 55 games. Had a really tough start with SKA where he didn't really got little to no minutes um, on a tough team. Sochi wasn't very good. Uh, but the bigger news is he signed his entry-level contract with us, two-year deal. And it sounds like they're just waiting on the work visa to get him over here and hopefully get some NHL games. So, Yeah, I, uh, I think... Seth Topol, I don't know if it's on a podcast. I think he might have done like a reaction or something, or his daily one, or a comment somewhere. Someone was like, "Oh, because he uh, he already got a number. He's gonna play tomorrow." And I'm like, "Are they the Amazon Amazon priming his visa? Like, <laughs> that's just gonna take a little bit of time. Like, come on now." Like, yeah, they're using AI to make his work visa. <laughs> I mean, it'd be great if he was in line tomorrow, but yeah. uh, that's probably not gonna happen. Um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, I guess uh, Zeke, we'll, we'll give you. I'm looking for what I'm looking for here. Uh, just your mm-hmm. thoughts on uh, Murat Huzadinov getting signed, burning year of the entry level deal, and getting him over here. Um, you know, for the yeah, for the I mean, this season. Yeah, I think it's just. Uh, I mean, it's always it's always exciting when you know you get one of your uh, better prospects or picks, uh, you know, under contract in the in the organization. Uh, especially, obviously, with, uh, you know, some of these Russian players. Yeah, obviously, everyone knows the difficulties there. So it's just good, you know, like everyone, just good to know that he's going to be here, that he'll be on the team this year and next year, and that there's, you know, not going to be uh, uh, any troubles uh, getting him on the team and all that. So it's uh, – and it's great. And like you said, it'll be great, too, uh, if we get a chance to play him and start to see what – start to see what you get and maybe get him in the locker room with uh, – like Presov was talking uh, in Russo and Joe Smith in their article about, you know, mentoring him a bit and taking him under his wing a little bit as he, you know, uh, you know comes to the U.S. for the first time, I think, as he said, too. So that'll be a, you know, a good opportunity for everyone involved and, uh, you know, hopefully make that uh, easier for him uh, heading into next year as well. Yeah, I'm interested to see how uh, Zuccarello factors into that when he sees Kirill Kaprizov giving his attention to, to somebody else. I don't know how yes. that I mean, <laughs> is it going to cause a, a rift in the bromance. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Or maybe it becomes like a, like a little three best friends, three musketeers situation. Um, it could be a fun line. Three musketeers, you'd have Kaprizov, yeah. Zuccarello, and Huzadinov. Um, but that would mean splitting up the top line, which, again, spoilers. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But tangenting, yeah. again... Um, <laughs> Justin, your thoughts on Murat finally making his way over here. Obviously, you've probably watched him a little more than, than Zeke or myself, and I've, I've done the due mm-hmm. diligence, but um, you know, always exciting when one of those top prospects, especially ones in Russia, finally make their way over yeah. here. Yeah, right. I mean, it's fun. It's awesome. I'm so excited that just to be able to track these kids from like their draft year up until their NHL debut, and when they finally make their NHL debut, it's just super exciting, especially a player like Murat who – We'll say who's Nadinov since everyone's trying to figure out how to say it. We'll just keep yeah, saying five it. Times fast. who's Nadinov. <laughs> and like, really, um, if you if you just look at his name and sound it out, it's do you say it exactly how simple. it looks? Like yeah. minus the K being silent. Yeah, it's just who's Nutdinov. 
Yeah. Like, who's Nudinov? It's just long. You just like look yeah. at it, sound it out. Right. It's four syllables. You'll get there. I promise. Mm-hmm. But no, it's super exciting. Like, yeah, that works too. Either way, but no, it's super exciting, especially seeing comments like Krill. Kind of his eyes lit up when he heard, you know, talking about who's Nadinov and maybe having a, you know, having another Russian with him and you know, putting him on his wing, like you said, and just having that Russian presence to help him get acclimated and maybe get some NHL games in, you know, get ready for training camp next year and to make this impact that he's had in the KHL. Just a, a kid that plays his butt off. He's he's speedy, got good hands, good playmaking ability. Uh, sounds like he's going to be playing center, so even more exciting. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I'm just super excited for him to, to finally get over here. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that, that does beg some questions, you know, going to play down the middle. Um, so that brings us to, we, we asked us, I asked for a handful of questions just to help kind of guide some of these conversations a little bit. This one comes from Brock Faber's burner uh, at year off season um, on X Twitter, everyone to call it. He asks and wonders, where does Marat get put into the lineup? Um, and, you know, for me, it's hard to say right now. I mean, I know where I would put him. I don't, but, you know. Uh, as we've seen, Garen and Hines think much like Evison, which is the opposite of what I think. Um, you know, I think if I think it makes sense to probably start him on the fourth line, um, mm-hmm. depending on you know if what happens with with the trade deadline. I think I don't think we see him before the trade deadline. Um, I think you know if you do make some moves, move out some players that you know all of a sudden it opens up a spot for him or a, you know a Mason Shaw, depending on who moves around. Um, I think it makes sense to start him there, just you know, help him get his feet wet. But we've seen, you know, a mix of players being on that fourth line lately, whether it's been Ryan Hartman or Brendan Duhame or Freddie Goudreau or whoever else has been down there. Like, put some speed on there, a little bit of grit, get a center in there. Um, you know, maybe he gets some looks on power play too, potentially. Um, I wouldn't expect him to be like immediately elevated um, to like a top six role or anything. Just especially, you know, it's a completely different style of play over here. You know, the North American style to the European style to the Russian style, all different. Um, and then also just, you know, learning a completely different system in addition to the, to the play style. So I, I think that'd be mm-hmm. the absolute soonest. And I, I wouldn't even be surprised if, you know, it, it waits till, you know, there, he may, he may not get used this season at all. Like it, I think that's still a possibility. Um, I think that's a slimmer possibility, but I wouldn't expect him, you know, in a week to be in every night in the lineup, unless he comes in game one and it's just awesome, but that's pretty mm-hmm. rare. Yeah, I mean, just like we were talked about, and uh, and it was in you know on the athletic in their article a couple days ago. A lot of this is more about just the uh, the, the getting him acclimated to the team and the in the city and the country and all that. So uh, obviously, you know, we want to see him as fans, like like you talk about, and I, you know, like you said, he still probably will will get in there, and you know, even at that point, as you're talking about Brett, it's probably not it's not as maybe much of an alarm if he's, you know, not playing a ton or getting, you know, some great opportunity up high right away. Uh, obviously it depends too, if, you know, they lose the next four games and they stink, you know, they might not really have much to lose to give him a, more of a shot, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, it's it's like, like we said, it's just good that he's here at the very least. Yeah. I think he slots in bottom six. I think eventually he'll be a middle six type player, but uh, initially, I think when he plays, he'll be bottom six. Um, like you said, like we've said, got to get him acclimated. I think that's the biggest thing and is the key thing. Uh, 20, 21 year old kid moving across the country, and uh, that that's huge. Like 
you've heard Wallstead, Wallstead talk about it, you know, I'm sure Kaprizov's talked about it. It's just tough being away from family and just getting acclimated here is huge. But to answer the question, it's, I think he'll be bottom six. And I think he will get games because, I mean, they are, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like they're burning one one year of his entry-level contract. Mm-hmm. So um, might as well take advantage of that, especially, Zeke, like you said, if, if we stink. Uh, we'll yeah. see how the next few games go. But I imagine, depending on who gets traded to, he could slot in and, and get some playing time. Yeah, I think injuries and trades will have a big factor on if and when he plays, but uh, I'd say the under over, I, I'd say he plays five games maybe before the year's done. I think that's where I'd set my line. Um, but we'll see. Um, with, with the way players have been going down lately, I mean, there there could be a spot opening yeah. up anytime soon. I mean, we had a scare last night where it looked like maybe Marco Rossi was going to miss some time as he limped down the tunnel. Luckily, he came back. Um, but you know that would be a situation. Someone like him goes down, or Eck, you know, where you have maybe more of that more of that top six type. Maybe he's the guy you can you can slide up. Um, you know, they're still not happy with what Hartman's been doing. Um, but yeah, so really exciting to get Murat over here again. I think our, our consensus is you know it'll be good to give him a, a taste, get his feet wet this year, potentially have you know some depth or uh, you know one call him a ringer, but you know a. Uh, uh, you know, a decent card in your back pocket come playoff time mm-hmm. too. Should should that opportunity arise, um, and I think you know it's a, a great to guarantee you know that he'll be here to start next season mm-hmm. and be in the mix to you know really earn his spot and see where he does fit next year. Because um, I do really think it's somewhere in that you know it, it could be a, a supporting role on a scoring mm-hmm. second line, or it could just be a, you know more of a checking two way center on a third line. I think you know both are both are options for him because he just does have that great versatility. Uh, to his game. Uh, one other player that may be bidding, uh, you know, this is kind of a somewhat new development, you know, maybe not like mm-hmm. a, a surprise given what he's played this year, but uh, Michael Russo hinted at um, Riley Height potentially getting, you know, an extended look uh, at the start of next season, which I think is not something any of us would have expected um, you know, with pick, pick 64 in this last draft. Um, but he's just had such an amazing year. And, you know, not saying Russo wouldn't necessarily he'd be on the team, but that, you know, the Wild may use the opportunity to get him, you know, that kind of that nine-game taste and then determine from there, hey, this is a guy we want, you know, in our top nine, or, hey, this is a guy we're going to go back and let him dominate juniors again for, you know, one more year before we, you know, give him a shot next year, you know, give him big minutes in the AHL. So exciting development there because, I mean, it just shows you, you know, I, think, I don't know if people realize, like, just how good of a prospect he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the potential that, you know, at un- under 20 years old, he could come in and potentially make an impact as soon as next year. Yeah, I guess I didn't see that, but that's uh, <laughs> another exciting development. I mean, it makes sense with how he's dominated juniors from even uh, last year. He had 97 points as a, what, 17-year-old? And now he's leading the CHL in points, taking all these draws, and, and he's really their main draw guy at Prince George, getting power play time. And um, he's just uh, a really good, really, really good prospect. And <laughs> I'll always wonder how he felt to pick 64, but I'll, you know, <laughs> knock on wood ever be grateful for it especially if it's you know going as well as we we think it's going to go yeah. um but it's exciting to get like him over you could think about getting ugrin over getting year after next year hopefully like all these big pieces of prospects and and i'm kind of going on a tangent but and 
adding the cap space to it after next year. It's just it's all starting to like puzzle together, and then it's getting exciting seeing these kids, mm-hmm. you know, getting closer to being here. And to that point, Justin, I know a lot of people, you know, this kind of the, a lot of this year when the team's been struggling and seeing, as you talked about earlier, Iowa uh, struggling too, people start to go, you know, where's all these pro- great prospects? You know, everyone's talking about, you know, maybe they aren't as good at it as they said, you know, all this, you know, all that nonsense. And like you just said, they're, uh, you know, they're all finally getting over here just barely. And like you said, we're going to get to see those guys. So that's that. Uh, you know, that's that fruit uh, that's, you know, that, that they've been growing here the last few years, as you mentioned, that, you know, is uh, kind of what we've been, it seems like we've been talking about it even longer than like three or four years now, but uh, it, it's good to finally see that uh, come to fruition. Yeah. And then to expand on your point about why isn't Iowa good? Well, they're extreme one. It's because it's a bunch of basically first year, second mm-hmm. year pros. You have their probably arguably a, a whole top line worth of talent in the HL either playing in the NHL on your third line with Vinny Letary and Jake Lucchini, and then you have Mason Shaw up here who, when he was in there, what, he had like four goals in three games or something. Yeah. Um, you've had Dakota Mermis, who was, you know, their captain last year, or was their captain coming in the year, you know, pulled the Mason Shaw, got named captain, then got called up and never went back down again. Yeah. Um, you know, that's – and then, you know, it's a really, really young blue line beyond that. Um, and we've seen some guys maybe just go to the e- ECHL because of that. It's like, hey, this is just we, we don't have someone to munch minutes right now. We're going to bring in a vet. Like, mm-hmm. These are still young, young players. I think because of just, you know, it's not often that, you know, you get three players like the Wild did with Boldy, Kaprizov, and Faber who they step in game one and they're ready to go, right? Like mm-hmm. that just it doesn't happen, and I think – and I think people have this mindset that because, oh, now it didn't happen, that these guys are bust. I mean, we saw the same thing with Rossi last year. It's like, oh, 19 games, this guy had one point, he can't figure it out. And now this year he leads the team in 5v5 points per 60. Like, it just it takes time. These are young players. It's development. It's a new coach. It's a new system. Like, have a just a lick of patience. Like, my God. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, somewhat fairly a lot of that, I think, is because of the uh... – uneven nature of the team this year and some of the struggles and just and they've uh, had injuries of their yeah. own as well i think yeah, yeah. yeah it's true so when they've had not just those guys called up but like guys like sammy walker damon hunt's been called up mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. nick tan has he been called up yep yeah i thought so yeah yeah that's right falstead had you know his short stint up here so i mean they've really stephen fogarty i mean he's been called up it's mm-hmm. It's a revolving door of of just injuries and, and call-ups for them. It's It's been a tough season for them. Yeah, so prospects, good stuff there. Um, let's keep the good vibes going. Um, let's talk about the, a little bit of this top line. And I know it's they've cooled off maybe a teensy bit um, over the last couple games, but just unbelievable um, how well that line has played. Uh, as of late, I'm gonna let's see. Let's do the last. Any idea how many games they've been together? Um, I I don't. Gotta be six, seven, seven. I'm gonna, start, I don't know. I'm gonna do ten. Yeah, maybe that's that's fair. Because I know when he pre-sav, he won Player of the Week with 12 points in six games. It might have been before that, but yeah. But yeah, that's probably right. So the last 10 games for that top line, not all this at five on five, obviously, but mm-hmm. Kaprizov, seven goals, 11 assists, 18 points on 46 shots. 
Um, just great stuff. Erickson Eck, seven goals, eight assists, 15 points. Boldy, seven goals, seven assists, 14 points. Like, these guys have just been absolutely insane. Like, it, it's basically been the wild top line, Zuccarello on the power play, and then the occasional flash from, like, just a random player any given night. You know, one it was Marco Rossi, then it was Ryan Hartman. You know, one night it might be Vinny Letary or Brandon Duhame or whoever else. It's been the top line and then just everybody else. But, I mean, we've seen – we saw this line assembled, I think, is the – two seasons ago was the opening night against Winnipeg when – Erickson Eck had the big hat trick and the dramatic comeback, and they went on a stretch there for a little bit where they looked really good. They got broken up again, and now John Hines is like, hey, man, what if I just put my three best players on the ice at the same time and just let them dominate? And that's what they've done. Um, you know, the five-on-five five numbers are good, but on top of that, they're they're drawing penalties. They're And then on the power play, they've been clicking. The power play has been great. Um flip over to their power play stats. So 18, 15, 14, Kaprizov, Ekboldi. Uh, those points on the power play, if my computer ever freaking loads here. Oh, maybe not. This is where you edit in the Jeopardy music. Yeah. <laughs> um, nine of Kaprizov, so half of Kaprizov's um, on the power play. Five of X15 and four of Boldy's 14. Um, have come on the power play too across the last 10 games. So really good stuff, just every area of the ice for that line. And, I mean, there's just – you look at the game in Winnipeg, obviously an insane game, 10-7, to 7, but, you know, you get hat tricks from two of those guys. I think Boldy had like a four-point game mm-hmm. in that one. Um, I mean, just incredible what these guys have, have, have done across the last, you know, three, four weeks here. Yeah, and I think part of what uh... – you know, the success with putting Eck uh, with some of the skilled guys that like you talked about, Brett, they've you know, only briefly tried that before. And I think, you know, we've seen, I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit, but I think that's the difference here with the new coach and Hines, you know, splitting up, you know, Capri Sav and Zuccarello and those guys instead of playing, you know, it works at times, you know, the passing and the trying to make all the fancy plays and all that. But I think obviously with Eck, he's obviously straight line, just it works about off player who can, finish kind of around the net. I think that's, you know, gotten both Presov and Boldy to play just, you know, a little more simple, a little more in straight lines up and down the ice instead of trying to go side to side and, you know, make passes through through traffic all the time and all this. And you've seen, you know, both, I mean, him and Boldy, especially, you know, in, in Seattle, Presov coming down the uh, going high short side, you know, Snipe, Boldy with his really sweet backhander and the slot on the power play there. Like, they've both just been – I mean, obviously all three of them have been great, but those two specifically are the ones who, you know, had some struggles at times this year, obviously, at the start, and have both been dynamite, uh, like we mentioned, ever since that line got put together. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, just playing more simple and just getting pucks on that. Like, you see, especially with Boldy, who – you know, when he's really going, it seems like he shoots every time he crosses over the blue line. And they, they've just been going in a, a lot, and it's really fun to watch. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest developments. We saw this last year, you know, again, kind of right around the same time of year when Boldy went on his heater. Like, when he decides that, hey, I, I'm – and he admitted this in an article too. Um, like, I, he's kind of always mm-hmm. thought of as himself as you know, this, this pass-first guy. But when he takes over a game and says, hey, I'm going to take pucks to the net – I'm going to throw everything on net. Like, it makes a difference. Like, you notice Matt Boldy. The chances come. Um, and if you look at his last 10 games, averaging over four shots a game, 
um, over the whole season is about three shots a game. It's like one more shot per game. I mean, it sounds small in the grand scheme of things, but, you know, that's, you know, how many more attempts, how many more shots, how many more rebounds, blocks, tips, you know. We've seen a couple of his goals that have just squeaked through the pads. Like, you know, if this yeah. is, you know, if that's somewhere he's looking to pass or looking for a trailer instead, you know, maybe that is in the back of the net. So it's been great to see that. And then obviously Kaprizov, basically ever since he's come back from that injury, has looked very much like his old self again. Just the way he's, you know, we, we've seen him take over games and come up in some of these big moments and stuff too. And you know, I, there's not really been a ton of games that I can think of across the last month where it's like, man, Kaprizov seemed. You know, invisible in this one, like maybe there was at times kind of to start the year. Yeah, and I mean, you can see it when Baldy's going through his, his tough stretches because it seems like he's he's trying to pass the puck. He's maybe whiffing on shots and, and missing wide, but lately it feels like he can't miss the net. Like, he's been so fun to watch. I think he scored like 21 goals since Hines took over, something like that. So, I mean... Mm-hmm. That alone, I seem to spark him, but I'm um, putting one of his 23. I think, yeah, right. it's insane. Yeah, <laughs> but he, he's been on a heater, and like you said, the pre-five looks like pre-five that we know. Um, maybe he was fighting that injury a little bit still at the beginning of the season, but as the season goes on, he's looking better and better. And um, I mean, not even this season, but looking in the future with some of these kids coming over, gap space. I mean, maybe this could be our top line of the future. Like, it makes you think, like. When we have more money in some of these kids here, what's this gonna look like? Like it's maybe like a a little uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but maybe a little glimpse of the future type thing. But it, mm-hmm. it's just been so fun to watch that that first line play. Yeah. And my last note on just you know when Matt Bully takes over game, how important it is. So 46 points for Bully on the season in 52 games, 23 goals, um, 23 assists, even split. Uh, 18 of those 23 assists are the primary assists. So on the 46 goals he's factored into, he has the goal or primary assist on 41 of the 46. Like, just an insane, like, it's either coming directly from him off a pass, a rebound, or he's the one putting in the net. Like, he's not often the one with that secondary pass, you know, not a secondary mm-hmm. assist merging. He is, you know, he's creating. Um, and I think, you know, looking much more like the $7 million player that, you know, he was paid to be, and then, you know, a little bit of that slow start, but... Um, you know, really fun to watch that line because it just yeah. feels like every time they're on the ice now, it's like, man, it feels like there's going to be a chance here. And um, think we have five more years of Eck on his contract after this year and six oh, yeah. years of Boldy and then a couple of years of Kaprizov and hopefully resigns after then. Yeah, um, sure. Maybe this this helps him get there. <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to hope so. So, you know, I think that kind of begs the question. You know, we're talking about, you know, obviously this top line is, you know, kind of helped lift this team lately. I think. I don't know the exact number. I think they're like eight two and one or eight one and two or something across her last like ten or eleven games. Been playing much, much better. You know, kind of crawled back into the playoff push there for a second. We're two points out, um, and then you know Nashville, you know, working through a pretty soft schedule, playing some relatively bad teams. I think they've played like Ottawa, San Jose, and Anaheim in like three of their last six. I mean, those are practically freebies. Um, that's that's a free space on the bingo card to play those teams, but. I mean, regardless, they've got the job done. They've won games. Basically, ever since um, I went and watched them get their asses kicked um, in Nashville, they've um, won every yeah. game since then, I think. So um, I think it started with a win in Vegas, and then they've pretty much been on a tear since. So now with that, six points back, obviously huge game, um, either tomorrow or today uh, when you're listening to this where the Wild will face off against them. But, you know, 
not necessarily a must-win game, but a you know feels it could be a pivotal game in terms of you know who how much the Wild sell, who starts getting opportunities down the stretch, what do you do with the lines, all that jazz. You know, when do you do you have to rush you know a Felino back or a or a Bogosian back or someone like that? Like it just gets in that desperation mode if they can't find a way to to win tomorrow. So. Um, mm-hmm. all that said, like, wh- where do you guys think this team like really falls? Because we've kind of seen a tale of, of two teams under Heinz. We saw obviously the great stretch at the start. We've seen this great, great stretch as of late. And then we had obviously that stretch, you know, kind of in the middle with all the injuries where they won like one time in 11 games, or whatever it was. Like, where do you think, what is the truth of who this team is? Generally speaking, when they're healthy under John Hines, should they ever get too generally healthy? Honestly, I feel like, I mean, it's hard to say. It, it's been such a tale of two teams, but I feel like more often than not under Hines, they've been a really good team that, you know, have pushed themselves from, you know, bottom five team in the league to just, you know, the other night, two points out of a playoff spot. I feel like when we're really clicking, we're, you know, maybe a, a wild card type team, uh, a playoff team. Um, I mean, we have a lot of good players still. Uh, I mean, there's still work to do with the lineup, but I feel like they're at least like a wild card type team. Yeah, I think they're definitely, uh, you know, they're maybe not, you know, they're obviously not some great, great team or whatever, but I think they're definitely much closer, like Justin was saying, to, uh, you know, who they've been on the beginning and on this this last little stretch uh with Heinz rather than the one seven and one just because you know like you guys mentioned with all the injuries I mean I think it was at the same time it was like Kaprizov, Gustafson and you know Spurgeon and Brodeen both out of times I think you know you're asking it's hard to ask any team to look who loses you know that kind of talent and skill off the roster to really do much of anything but especially you know the you know this team with the kind of the lack of depth at times uh you know obviously contributed by injuries but it's going to be pretty hard to overcome that. And obviously, you know, it's, you know, you got to win games regardless. It's not an excuse, but I think, you know, if Kaprizov, you know, doesn't get knocked down in that Winnipeg game again, you know, we may be in a different spot right now where tomorrow isn't necessarily, you know, almost a must win game, but, you know, it's almost in a way it's kind of surprising that they've even been in the race this long with, you know, everything that's gone on this year and how they, how they started it's a credit to them like justin said that they you know have kept battling and you know not you know because you could have just easily with that kind of one seven and one stretch they could have easily just you know thrown in the towel a little bit and said ah this isn't our year obviously you know just you know get out hopefully no one else gets seriously hurt but they've you know continued to battle and continued to try to win and you know that's that's to their credit but overall you know they'll just be you know kind of unfortunately just how they always are just kind of that fringe playoff, non-playoff or playoff team. And, you know, I think, you know, we all kind of knew that, that that's maybe what was going to happen these two years, but it, uh, it's just, they've just been inconsistent a little too much for most of the year. It's just the absolute disgusting mushy middle. I think that's where I fall. I don't think they're yeah. this, you know, win 13 out of 15 type team. Right. I also don't think they're, uh, you know, lose 13 out of 15 team either. Right. They're, uh, mm-hmm you know, win six, lose four out of every 10, right? Like that's enough yeah. to get in the playoffs. But, you know, to me, kind of the, the red flags, are. I don't think they've won a single game yet against Winnipeg, Dallas, or Colorado. Like, I mean, those, th- I mean, obviously those three are the, d- the distant top three in the division. And then you have, mm-hmm. you know, again, that mushy middle of Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, 
Um, Arizona kind of was in that mix for a little bit, and they've, you know, obviously predictably tailed off as of late. Um, But, you know, you can't beat those good teams, and it's just, you know, and it it, it doesn't help when you're missing guys like Marcus Foligno. I know Zeke and I, you've been, you and I have both been pretty vocal about, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. the points aren't there, but he's had a really nice, in my opinion, and I think I've seen you echo it on Twitter, like a really nice bounce-back season. Um, you know, he's yes. was, it, um, you know, at the time I did my midseason player cards, their best defensive forward again this year. Like that was something that had dipped off last year. And we saw that come back around this year and, you know, missing that presence and having to fill that with Jake Lucchini. Like that's, that's not yeah. the same player in any sense of the way <laughs> now, you're not getting that, that physical presence, that, that locker room voice, that energy that Felino can sometimes bring with one or two shifts. So you know, I think injuries like that are significant too, but you know, I just, I want the team to do well, but at the same time, it's like, man, I, you know, great. We're going to, you know, sneak in as the eighth seed and then get our asses handed to by best case scenario. Maybe they end up with, you know, Vancouver or someone who they, you know, we've seen them have some competitive games with um, this season. But, you know, if it's, if they end up in the, in the central division bracket, I mean, they're, I'm, I'll take whoever they're playing probably in five games. So um, it's a mushy middle and it stinks, but, you know, there's, you know, as we talked, there's too much talent with, the likes of, you know, you have Fleury, who's potentially in his last season. You know, you have Gus, who, granted, it's been mm-hmm. a down year, but a solid goal. You have guys like Brock Faber, like Jonas Prodeen, the top line that's been so good. You know, you have a Matt Zuccarello, you have Marco Rossi. There's too much talent to be bad. And it's just yeah. like, well, I guess, you know, like you said, I, I think, Zeke, as you mentioned, like, we expected this. It just, it, the reality still just, like, sucks. It sucks just well, yeah. like a middling, blech team. So, yeah. I think the one thing working in the Wild's favor, I think maybe Nashville's pulses change a little bit, which because they're back in the mix. But um, a lot of the teams in front of them, Calgary, obviously, um, we probably jumped on, just traded away Chris Tanev. Um, it's not like Nashville's maybe thinking about selling. St. Louis, I believe, is not actively shopping, but listening in on some of their bigger name guys like Buchnevich, um, I know is a name yeah. that's been kicked around out there a little bit. So. Like, these teams in front of them are getting rid of, you know, more top-end talent, so they have that going for them um, as we approach a trade deadline where some of these teams might get worse while the Wild, you know, more or less might remain unchanged. I don't think they're going to go out and make a splash and, you know, pay a big price tag and acquire someone. Um, At the same time, you know, the people that they may or may not trade aren't, you know, these high-end impact players that are really going to, I think, affect much on the night-to-night basis. No, and yeah, I mean, like you said, that's it's it's a bit of a kind of a bummer, but you know, you know, the good the good thing is is that you know they have you know at the very least I know obviously everyone wants to win that should be the goal, but they've definitely you know been a lot more of a fun watch and each and every night you know the you know there's been even last night obviously against Carolina it was a really tough loss, but you know you certainly can't criticize any lack of effort or coasting or poor play really from, from too many guys. I mean, you know, there's a couple, but, you know, for the most part, they've, you know, played some really fun hockey and, uh, and battle back. So it's, you know, it's just making the best out of what they got, you know, the rest of the year. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think if they get to the point where, you know, obviously, like you said, Brett, they're not going to lose, but if, you know, they get to the point where it's a difference of one or two points of missing or making playoffs, it, it, I don't think it would make a, you know, I don't think I would, I don't think there's missing just by much or even get, or getting swept first round is really all that different. So yeah, we'll do it. We'll see. It's, 
it, it is what it is. So I, I, I'm not really saying anything right now. I'm just I don't, <laughs> sorry. Somebody, somebody else can talk. <laughs> Well, let's maybe shift gears a little bit. So we talked about the top line, talked about where we think the wild kind of sit. Um, we had a couple questions on other specific players outside of kind of the ones we mentioned. Um, first, we'll start with Declan Chisholm. So I believe at the time of our last show, I think the wild had just acquired him. He hadn't played any games yes. yet. Uh, now we're in six games into the year or into his tenure. Um, you know, and I think he's been a nice, a nice villain. I think he's, he's brought an element that, basically kind of since the wild traded away Kellen Addison, that they're maybe missing a little bit on the back end, a little bit more of that, you know, that, that offensive type um, player. And, um, you know, we've seen him make some nice plays. I think he's up to, what is it? Is it four points or something? Four points, five points in the first six five. games. Yeah, five points across yeah. his first six five games. Five points so, in eight games this season so yeah, far. So, um, you know, and I think five of the six with the wild, like the other two were his, scoreless games in Winnipeg so yeah, yeah. he's looked good um and with goal and three assists um I, I have four points in six games is what Joe Statrick says but um you're right with the wild yeah yep. yeah so five shots on goal um you know creating a little bit just taking a couple penalties obviously had the little mistake um last night toward the end of the I believe second period where he you know refused to get a puck deep that ended up turning into a chance the other way but um, you know, there was a question, and we'll kind of just combine these two together, um, from uh, Jay Halverson um, asking if Chisholm's underlying stats match the production he's putting up on the score sheet. Um, his analytics have been fine, um, a little bit better over the last couple games since he's been with Brodeen, um, and I attribute it to two things. One, playing with Jonas Brodeen's probably going to make you better. Two, I think it's just, you know, he's got you know, the first two games a little shaky, you know, he got paired mm-hmm. with, I think he was taking shifts with Merrill, taking shifts with Mermis, you know, I think he took shifts with Bogosian, like he was all over, didn't really have like a stable partner, now it's, you know, starting to have three, four games protein, a little more of a routine, um, and I also think that pairing is getting a little more deployment in the offensive zone, and I think a lot of the defensive shift has shifted to Faber and Middleton, who I don't want to dive too deep, uh, but haven't been as good lately. Um, I think seven goals against or something in the last six for that pairing. Um, and, like, I think they have, like, 0.31 expected goals total combined um, in the last two games. So they've been struggling a little bit, but I think they've been shouldering more of that heavy load, and they've been giving Brodeen and Chisholm a little bit more freedom in the offensive zone. And obviously it's turned into Jonas Brodeen, all of a sudden noted offensive defenseman, three goals in his last six, and I think, like, five since he came back from injury. Um <laughs> So I think that's all part of it. So to answer the question, I guess mine would be, yes, the eye test and analytics somewhat match up. Like he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been game-breaking, but I think he's he's done what they were hoping to get when they lost Spurge, and that was just get someone they can put into the top four that can do something and be serviceable where you can then move a Mermis or a Merrill to the, to the second pair, especially with Bogosian out, so... Um, all that said, what have you, been your guys' impressions here of, of Declan Chisholm across his first handful of games here? Honestly, I feel like he's been pretty solid. I mean, he's he played decently well, getting power play two time. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't know much about him when we got him and, you know, got a guy that maybe could fill in in the future, depending on how ready they think, like Lambo or Hunter, all those guys are. Maybe he's, like, someone that's, you know, as a piece for the future a little bit too. Um, I mean, he's made some mistakes, but overall I feel like he's played fairly well for not, you know, having played very much 
especially in the NHL, <clears throat> not really getting a shot in Winnipeg. So, I mean, he had pretty decent AHL numbers, but the uh, NHL just, they were pretty um, defense, hit a lot of guys in front of him in Winnipeg. And getting a chance here was, I mean, in his six games, I feel like he's played pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, with when their lineup is healthy and, you know, when Bogosian is back, I think – He's just, you know, it's just better having him in there than uh, Merrill or Goligoski consistently, I think, is the biggest thing there. It's automatic, like you said, Brett, even with, you know, maybe a mistake or two there, you're willing to accept that every once in a while when there's, you know, he's more than just that since some of those other guys. So yep. it's, uh, it, it's, I mean, it's automatically an upgrade over what they had and at like 24 or however old he is, you know, there's still some upside there. So not much to really, uh, not much to hate with him. Yeah, and if he turns into a, you know, even if next year it's a move back down to the third pairing, like if you get a, a top six D for free, like mm-hmm, yeah. basically what they got from Winnipeg, like they can't complain about that. Right. Um, so, uh, all right. Um, let's see. What other questions before I get into the, to the random here? <laughs> um, that one's not really wild related. Trade deadline. That one. Uh, Justin, we'll backtrack a little bit, and I'll throw this one to you since I saw it on the uh, on the prospects page. But um, five for fighting fella wants to know um, who has to explain to Marat why wild twitter calls him the piss missile <laughs> oh man that's hilarious uh, i think it has to be kaprizov honestly <laughs> i think it came from uh who knows there's an article out there by 10k takes where basically they heard uh mocha roketa or something like that in russian and when you google it it comes up as urine rocket and <laughs> I guess piss missile came out of it, and everyone's just ran with it. But really, they were saying like "Go Rocket" because Rocket's his nickname or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's probably you know, like uh, what are they? I think is it uh, idiomatic Russians, like idiomatic yeah. Irish, like yeah, um, put all mm-hmm. your eggs in one basket. Like it doesn't literally yeah. mean putting all of your eggs in one basket. It right. It's like you know, putting everything. Like, uh, like it's it it's probably an idiomatic Russian like slang yeah. term that they were using. Right. We took the literal translation, which is yeah, you know, not always the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Piss missile. <laughs> I, I think no, as the I... as the third tweet that said it, it might just be too late. It is too late. It's entirely too late. And I think we kindled up like more by putting that out there. It was actually Pavel because he's out in the Czech Republic and he has some Russian friends. And he's like, can you like explain me this? Like, <laughs> he made a, then he made a post about it and he's like. It's too late, but yeah. <laughs> this is actually what it means. <laughs> um, I think it has to be 10K takes or Kaprizov, though, since Kaprizov knows a little, little, you know, he's pretty decent at English now and, and can speak to him in Russian and kind of explain to him, like, why, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can, too. I'll talk yeah. to Murat. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We'll, we'll bring him on here. We'll tell him why not? We'll, we'll bring it. Yeah. Moving on, uh, our next question here. Uh, someone at where is it? Da, 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 someone asking about Johansson. Where are you? <laughs> A little right. Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah. It was here, I swear. 
Oh, I saw it. I saw the question too. Who asked? I'll try and find it. Oh, right here. Uh, this is also from uh, Jay Halverson. He asked two questions. That's why I got messed up. Um, curious on our thoughts on JoJo, Marcus Johansson, um, saying he looks more like damaged goods from Buffalo that we had the first go round and nothing like the player we traded for at the deadline last year. Um, mentioned it was odd to see his play fall off so drastically uh, after looking good last year. Um, I'll save my analytical analysis of his game for the end. So Zeke, we haven't heard from you in a minute. What? Um, give us your thoughts on uh, mm. what you what you've made of Johansson's season. Well, I mean, I think you know, I think Russo has said this a couple times uh, this year, but I think you know his t- twenty game stretch last year at the Wild, where he had uh, I think like eighteen points or something. I don't, I don't think that that's you know the player he actually is. I do think you know that how he, I mean, you know, maybe not this bad at times, but I think his production levels this year and everything is probably pretty close in line with what he's been, you know, for most of his career. You know, obviously, you know, he's had some games. He's probably a little bit older, maybe struggling a little bit much Has you know, those games where everyone knows where he just, you know, makes a nice zone entry, but then just twirls around the corner and throws the puck up and it goes out and they start over. But I do think this is probably maybe just closer to, you know, just kind of what he is, going to score 10, 15 goals, 30, 35 points over a year. Uh, you know, he, you know, he's not an awful player, but I think, you know, I, I think even myself included, we all kind of maybe got a little excited with how good he looked last year in comparison to that first stint that we all kind of thought, hey, if he, this guy can be on the second line with Boldy for, you know, two million bucks, you know, that, that could be a you know, a, a really good deal, and it obviously just hasn't uh, hasn't just turned out that way, unfortunately, so far. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's pretty close. I think it's just who he is, kind of always has been, really. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel. I don't got much to add. I mean, you do see his speed and his entries, but you know, at times you see him, you know, lose the puck or turn the puck over, or like you said, just dump it in, just mm-hmm. kind of lose possession. Um, he really hasn't been, like you said, Zeke, a, a point getter his whole career. I think his best season was like 2016, 17. Otherwise, he's been, like you said, like a 30 point player. Yeah. And, um, I mean, three points in the last uh, 12 games, five in the last 18. Um, I guess that's kind of uh, what to expect, but it, it's, it's kind of tough when you're in a playoff race and not having, you know, some of these guys pick it up, mm-hmm. like, you know, like he picked it up last season in that 20 games, but we're not really having that, you know, that JoJo where, you know, he picked up all those points or like, I know we'll talk about in a little bit, but like Goudreau, like shootout specialists, like we're, it's, it's just, there's a lot of players that aren't, aren't doing what we, you know, want them to do, or maybe we shouldn't have expected them to, but um, kind of a tough season uh, watching him. <laughs> yeah. So I mostly echo kind of your guys' thoughts. I think, you know, I think part of the reason he maybe hasn't looked quite as good as I think, you know, it was alluded to, like there may have been this expectation of, oh my gosh, he was new to this point-per-game player when we acquired him last year. Like he's going to be a point-per-game player again because we're going to put him in the same line, same situation. Like that's just not the case. He's never been that type of player, right? It's a guy that got hot last year at the right time and was playing with the right guys, um, you know, in a softer part of the wild schedule. And it, it worked out, right? Like they were the go-to line because there was injuries at the time that Kaprizov was out. Um, so th- that was the go-to line they were getting, you know, they were, that was the line that was getting put out there to score. Um, you know, looking analytically at his numbers, um, you know, I haven't talked much about war, 
um, or expected war on this podcast in a while, but wins above replacement, which is, you know, the essential, um, essentially a, a value assigned to a player, um, you know, above replacement. So zero would be like a replacement level player. I don't know specifically what Johansson's war is, but I would imagine it's very close to zero. Like he is very much a replacement level player. Like, has he been bad? No, not necessarily. Like his numbers are like pretty much right around 50% across the board in terms of his shot share, in terms of his expected goal share. Like he does, you know, he, he has um, 27 points um, on the year and, you know, so about a half a point per game, give or take. Um, you know, he's playing on the second power play. I think he's killed penalties at times this year. Like some nights he's kind of a cardio king and some nights he has okay. Like he's just very, he's just been very incredibly average, which like for the wild, like if he was on your third line, that would probably be okay. But it, I think you'd like someone that's, you know, playing in your top six and not getting bumped out of that spot hardly ever. Um, to maybe yeah. bring a little bit more to the table than just incredibly average, mm-hmm. like even slightly above average would be better. Um, but like, I don't think he's necessarily been disappointing. Like to me, this is kind of who I thought Johansson was. I just think he's been miscast out of necessity into a top six role when he's maybe more of a a middle six type of guy. Like a you know, you're he's your number six forward versus maybe your he's your he's a better six through eight than a probably five through or four through six is where he is right now. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's bad. He's cost controlled at $2 million. Like you could do a lot worse. Um, you know, I haven't a chance to look around the league at, you know, what other players are, you know, better or worse, but mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, is he, is he leaving some to be desired? Sure. But like, could it be worse? Absolutely. Like he, he could be Freddie Goudreau. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And here we go. <laughs> Before we get into that one, any any uh, other thoughts there on on Johansson? No, that just that just brings up a good point. I I honestly didn't think of that because I didn't put too much thought into it. But it, it's maybe just the role he's in rather than the role he should be in. Mm-hmm. Have you told me I had a third line guy making two million bucks that had twenty seven points in fifty nine games? I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, he's right around where he always is thirty yep. points. So exactly. Um, and the one thing I will give him credit for, um, one of the least penalized players on the team among all the guys who have played, you know, over 50 games, he's only taken seven seven penalties in the process, has drawn 15, so plus eight minor penalty differentials. So, like, he's a guy that has put the wild on the power play. Um, so that And that, you know, there's a lot of guys that have drawn more, but, you know, when you're drawing penalties and not taking them, I mean, there is some, there is some value, I think, in that as well, and that's, you know, when one of his areas... Uh, of strength so all right uh let's move on to um freddie goudreau so uh one of um another repeat asker here um again this is from brock faber's burner uh asking what do we make of freddie goudreau this year um i'll start this off um this time um and i am incredibly disappointed um, and Freddie Goudreau this year because he just straight up has been bad. Um, I mean, there's really nothing in his analytic profile anywhere that looks good this year. Um, this was uh, – what was the date? I don't have a date on here, but um, if it's here. Uh, this is as of February 7th, so three weeks old now, but I don't think this has changed much. Um had a 42.2% expected goal share, a 36.36% on-ice 5v5 goal share, 
Um, just horrendous. One of the worst marks on the team. A 46.8% shot attempt share. Three goals, seven assists on 61 shots. And that was in 37 games played with a minus three penalty differential and, you know, had some okay-ish PK numbers. But, like, the thing to me at the time of the extension, I think we agreed when it happened, five years seemed like too much. Mm-hmm. You looked at it, yeah, two million bucks. Like, he's done some good things. Like, he's moved up and down the lineup. He's brought a responsible two-way game. He's been okay on draws. He's played on the second power play. Like, there's some value there. But this year, like, everything that Freddie Goudreau did well has evaporated. And the stuff he didn't do well is still bad. So now he's just bad. Like, the defense has dropped off. Like, his only saving grace, I think he's the only regular center who's above 50% in the faceoff dot, and it's, like, barely over 50%. But, like, nothing else. I mean, it's, and it's every night, like, he's just not noticeable or it's, you know, he hasn't made many good plays. Like, we, the Wild haven't really made it to the shootout much this year. So, like, even that niche of being a shootout specialist has been basically worthless because they're winning a lot of games in overtime because of what they're getting out of Caprice off Goldie. That. So, I mean, there's just, there's no redeeming quality about him this year that makes me go, yeah, I'm glad he's on my team. Like, to me, if, if they wanted to put Mason Shaw in the lineup tomorrow or Murat Huzendinov, like, Freddie Goudreau is the first guy I'm taking on the lineup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, the only reason that's probably not going to happen, as he mentioned, is the contract and the fact that they haven't signed for, you know, another half decade. But With a 15-team yeah. no trade class. Oh, I didn't even know that. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. 15 teams, <laughs> so. Okay. Someone, for the love of God, please hire Dean Edison and then Billy Gear and be like, "Hey, I will take him for a seventh round pick." Yeah, or or not even that. We'll just take literally a bag of pucks. We'll we'll, we'll take future considerations, and you can have yeah. Dean can have Freddie Goudreau back. <laughs> like that's I think that's the only scenario I see where they're able to get out of his contract. If someone hires Dean Edison and Dean says, "Bring me my son," <laughs> he's like, I, "I am not signing on the dotted line until you confirm." <laughs> That you are getting my son. Yeah, it's yeah, that really. Yeah, go ahead, Justin. I was. I don't really have much to add to that. I'm losing my voice anyway. So, like, it's it's been a tough goal for him. I mean, maybe part of it is the injury he sustained um, yeah. with Reeves. To get uh, ribs. Kind of taking ribs. that into consideration, but at the same time, like, it, it's been tough to watch some games, like. Part of me wonders if there's a nagging injury, though, that's just causing part of it. Take him out of the damn line. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Shaw does everything outside of a 50% face-off. What does Shaw do that Frey doesn't? Shaw could play in your bottom six, Mm -hmm. play on the penalty kill. He's an energy guy. He's quick. His teammates like him. There's no difference. Like, just freaking. Give him a press box feeling for a couple games. Like to me, he's just like he's the he's Victor Rask all over again. Like he's just like <laughs> we we bet on a guy who had like one good stretch because he was playing with the right players, and then it's like oh yep, this guy is who we thought he was. This is why he was a journeyman in betweener with like three other teams. Like, ugh. and then just five year, five more years of this is just like. I mean, if he's on the fourth line for the next five years, like, I guess that's fine. You could do worse, but I don't know. I mean, I think just the frustrating thing you watch, I mean, 
it's just obviously, you know, like you mentioned, he's good in shootouts, but any other time he has the puck, it just seems like, first of all, like he take, I don't know, the way he just doesn't, he can't move. Like it doesn't, it seems like it takes, you know, those hour, slick so. mitts, like tight area plays we've seen him make. Like, it's like, don't pass, it's like you see like, the, where did it puck. go? Like, yeah. that's what's frustrating. It's like, we've seen it. Like mm-hmm. it was there in the past. We saw you do things with Kevin Fiala. We saw you be serviceable last year as a third line player. Like, what happened? Like, there's no like. I, I think Justin, to your point, like the the Reeves player, there's some sort of nagging injury. Like, there has to be because like, how does that just evaporate in fifty some games? Like, it's just it's just odd. It's just frustrating. I think yeah. I think he's frustrated too. Like, I don't think I don't think oh, Freddie's yeah. out there going like, oh yeah, I think I'm playing well. Yeah. I don't, and I don't yeah. think necessarily the coaching staff or Karen thinks so either. It's just like, you know, send a message at some point. Like, hey, you know, you, you know, you haven't been playing well. We gotta, let's, we're gonna, we're gonna get Mason Shaw in there. But instead, they're like, you know what? Three good games where you know you only got scored on one time. Now you're on the second line with Zuki. <laughs> it's not. It's not good when you're having a game because you didn't get killed. That's, Literally, like, you know. That would that should be the Chicago Blackhawks or the Sharks this year, right? Uh, right. The team trying to make the playoffs. Exactly. All right. Uh, kind of mm. lagging on here, but we had a lot to get to today. Um, last part of the show, probably the one that people will maybe care the most about, um, is the trade deadline. Um, so as we mentioned, mm-hmm. coming up a week from Friday, March eighth. I think it's probably a, what it's usually like a one o'clock or two o'clock local. Yeah, usually somewhere around there. Deadline like, sometime now, like early, early afternoon. afternoon. Yeah, early afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um. The Wild, as we mentioned earlier in the show, not going to be huge buyers. They're not going to be huge sellers. But there are some players in the mix here that could probably be on the move. I think, um, you know, I think the obvious one, and we'll we'll talk about each of these guys a little bit. The one top of the list is probably Brandon Duhame, um, potentially Connor Dewar. Pat Maroon is a maybe depending on what his health status looks like and what, you know, I don't know if the Wilds share those health mm-hmm. or share like those medical reports in advance mm-hmm. of the deadline. I'm sure if someone asked for him, like, hey, when could he be back? When could we get him? Um, I could see that being a potential fit. Um, Bogosian was someone I thought that maybe would have looked at moving, um, but it sounds like recent reports are that Karen hopes to bring him back, which, meh. Um, and then Marc-Andre Fleury was the other one that was long speculated. Could they potentially move him in it? According to Russo, um, he's just reported like Fleury doesn't want to move if the Wild are in the mix. Um, and then Elliot Friedman reinforcing that today as well, saying Fleury doesn't have any intentions right now to go anywhere. And, you know, it's because the Wild are in the mix. Um, and to his credit, I think Fleury's been a big reason why they've been in the mix. He's played well lately. He's looked, he's stolen some games, had some nice performances and, um, you know, he has that, I believe, a full no-movement clause. So if he doesn't want to move, he ain't moving. So those are kind of some of the big names. Um, there was a question about if there's, like, any dark horse trades that could happen, like any prospects. I don't see that happening. I mean, if someone comes knocking for some reason asking for Freddie Goudreau and Freddie's okay with going there, maybe that happens. I doubt it. Um, the other one, uh, Thomas Drance of the Athletic, um, did write mm-hmm. that the Canucks could potentially be interested in John Merrill. I don't know if that's a Russo situation where there's smoke, there's fire, but um, the write-up he had on John Merrill was absolutely hilarious because everything he said was like the exact opposite <laughs> of what John True. Merrill actually is. Like, um, don't tell them. Don't no, tell no. Them. I mean, if I mean, if Vancouver, I, I will pay personally. I, I will Venmo like 
If Vancouver, I will say on this puck, if Vancouver trades for John Merrill, I will donate $50 to like whatever their like foundation is that supports the Canucks. Like I will do it. I will pay the Canucks to, to acquire John Merrill. So Canucks, Patrick Alvin, if you're listening, $50 to your organization's charity if you trade for John Merrill. Even if Billy will give him to you for future considerations, and I'll give you 50 bucks. You get John Merrill and 50 about, bucks for nothing. How about this? Merrill and the 50 bucks, future considerations, whatever. And a sec- give us a second round pick. I think that's what he's worth. Yeah, I could be. I could be. Yeah. I mean, the way- <laughs> according to that article, yeah. it makes it sound yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, another who's Nadinov. <laughs> that's kind of the lay of the land. Um, and I think, you know, that we could talk about a lot of these guys in depth, but speculation is speculation and we're already running probably a little bit over our normal time. So let's talk about the two main ones here. I think that's going to be the Deweys. Um, mm-hmm. We'll start with Brandon Duhame, as I mentioned, probably the top candidate. Um, obviously, if you read the the player poll um, that the Athletic did with the Wild, a very well-liked, I mean, even, even though it seems most hated, um, <laughs> but he's kind of the punching bag of that Wild locker room. Obviously, we saw him you know, step up the other night uh, for Jewel Erickson Eck when he got hit. Um, you know, been turning on a little bit, playing a little bit better as of late. You know, I think I was disappointed with when I did his midseason player card, just looking at his underlying numbers, like a a little bit similar to Freddie in that, like a lot of the things that like the underlying numbers from always usually looked a little bit better than me, what you saw on the ice in this year. I think mm-hmm. it's been the opposite is, you know, at times it seems like he's been more noticeable, but he just hasn't been as good. Um, his shooting numbers across the board pretty much all cut in half in terms of his attempts, his high danger chances, his overall shots. Hasn't obviously scored as much. But um, you look at him, 26 years old, pending unrestricted free agent. At some point, the Wild have to make room for, you know, if Mason Shaw is ready to be a full-time mm-hmm. NHLer again, if, you know, you know Murat Huzdinov is now in the mix for next year, if, you know, Riley Height's going to get a look, if Liam Ugrin is going to get a look, if... Mm-hmm. They can somehow get Danila Yurov over here next year. Like these guys need somewhere to play, right? And mm-hmm. I know he's a fan favorite as well. Like I know Twitter adores Brandon Duhame. He's a meme. Um, you know the ladies may f- ladies and our you know the the gays may find him very attractive. You know he's a good looking dude, right? Like he's a well liked guy in the locker room and on the fan base. But like that's hockey, right? Like it eventually, like you have to move on from players that you like, just the way that it is. Um, and, you know, that's how it is, right? Like, and he's he's the guy, given his age, given his contract, given the role he plays, that is probably the most expendable. And mm-hmm. he's the type of player that teams want this time of year. Young, fast, kills penalties, mm-hmm. physical, can have a scoring touch, could move a little bit up the lineup if you needed to in a pinch. You know, a guy that, you know, could theoretically, you know, integrate into a locker room pretty quick with that like personality. So he's maybe worth more in a trade than maybe we think he is just because of those things that teams are looking to add around this time of year. I mean, look at what Tanner Janot, who I think Grant is a little bit better player than Duhame was, but like yeah. whatever he fetched like five draft picks last year, like we wild managed to get a, you know, a second rounder for Greenway. Like I wouldn't put it past if that's maybe what the asking price is right now for him. Yeah. I think that's, you know, I, I think that is what, uh, what's kind of been reported what they've at least been looking for for most of the year and i know there was uh i can't remember who tweeted it that you know they hot you know they heard they quote unquote might get a haul for him you know obviously that could be a relative term but 
even if it's, you know, like I said, if it's a second round pick, that'd be great. But even if you get, I don't know, like a third and a fifth or something like that, or get a, you know, a couple, just a couple picks. I mean, I think for either of these guys, for, for, for do aim and do or you don't, don't want to move them just to move them. Like if you're getting six, seventh round picks, you know, kind of what's, you know, what's the point in that? But, you know, like 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 Brett is is saying with you know what we know NHL GMs value in in playoffs type players. He's definitely the type of guy that uh, with the intangibles too that could you know get you some value. And you know as much as, as you're saying you know he's like the guy in the locker room and and fans like him and and all that. Uh, you know as much as that sucks. This is you know a year or two where you know it doesn't seem like they're going to resign him in the summer according to Russo. I haven't had any talks, so if you might as well. You know, shopping there if you can get uh, good value back for, you know, for a guy I think they picked in like the fourth round or whatever. If they could turn that into a, to a second round pick or something, I think would be a, would be pretty good business on their part. Yeah, I mean, I don't got much to add to that, and you know, it does seem like there are teams interested. I know I've seen Vancouver as one being maybe interested in Duhame, and um, I'm just kind of looking through some article and stuff like teams that could be interested for bottom six forwards, maybe a team like Edmonton or Florida or New York Rangers. I, I don't know uh, what the interest interest would be is, but um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he seems pretty valuable. It sounds like out there, like you guys mentioned. And mm-hmm. I mean, I can see why, and you know, for a, like a team need a, needing a bottom six player, these guys can fill roles that you need them to fill. Yeah. Um, and I believe uh, Joseph Noriak for another show asked um, for, for both the dudes, we can talk a little about Dewar too. Um, we'll start with just Duham for this one, but like, where is his perfect fit? Like in your opinions, so like Fiala to LA made sense. Like he, you know, big city guy, yeah. you know, well-dressed, fashionable, you know, seems like just a beach guy. Like he, he feels like an LA type of guy, right? Kevin wanted to go there. It makes sense. He's wondering, and he, he mentioned that, you know, like it can't be Cabo because um, there's no team there for Duhame. But, like, what what makes sense? And I think, Justin, you, you mentioned um, the Florida. Canucks potentially having interest. Mm-hmm. You know, he's from Florida, um, yeah. so getting to play back at home, right? Um, and then to me, uh, before you even brought it up, the Rangers were the other team, I think, that came to mind for me. A team on a tear right now, like, has everything figured out with their top guys, like adding a guy like him who can play in your bottom six, like pair him with like a Barkley Goudreau or I don't even, I think they have a Brodzinski in kind of a bottom six type of role. Um, that seems like it'd be a good fit for them too. And, you know, those are teams too, Florida, New York, Vancouver, that were probably, they're probably ready to push some chips in. Um, and they're, you know, if it is that second round pick, it's probably one that's, you know, right in that Riley height range, that, you know, late 50, early 60s range where they're maybe a little more willing to part with that asset. So, my gut right now, I think to me, I think New York makes a lot of sense personally to me, but um, I see ties to to Florida there too. It's probably a one one A one B for me with those two teams. Yeah. I don't see the Wild trading him in division. I, I don't see that happening. No, I don't want to and, see him unless either they're player. able to hike the price up to get a division yeah. rival to take him. Right. Yeah, and I, I don't have much to add. Like I said, I, Vancouver seemed interested. Florida makes sense because he's from there, and they they're. They're good and probably could use a player like him and, and the Rangers. They could give us Gabe Peralt for, for doing it. <laughs> 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 then the Wild fans would have – I mean, they'd find something to bitch about, but then they'd have the player they wanted to. <laughs> Comes full circle. 
Should have changed my mind. They're going to trade him to Winnipeg, and we're getting Nino back. I don't know how the money works, but... Who's going to wear 22, then, between Nino and Yurov, and who's Nadinov? Yeah, Is it like... <laughs> you have the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> just... We have three 22s, and they're just in different font sizes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's actually just a different font style. Yeah. And there's Ariel number 22. There's Helvetica 22. Bold Italic number 22. And there's 22. Bold Italic. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke, do you have a preferred uh, Duhame destination? Sounds like a travel agency. Yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, you for no, working I'm... with Duhame destinations. <laughs> Just wherever wherever gets the highest return is cool. I don't. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. Just okay. get the best you return you can get. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> and then the other player that you know was most likely or has the highest chance to get moved, Connor Dewar. So Dewey Dewey two um, in this situation, Connor Dewar. Um, a lot of the same reasons that we outlined for Duhame in terms of you know. He's the most replaced. I don't want to say expendable. I think most replaceable. Like in this situation, you move out Connor Dewar. Like your replacement is right there, and Murat Huzdinov, right? Slots right into the fourth line. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have plans for um, him to be on the penalty kill, but maybe that's where you can work in a Mason Shaw to fill that gap. Maybe it's a Shaw and Freddie Goudreau. You get Felino back, you have Ekfelino and Goudreau and Shaw as your penalty killers or what have you. Yeah. Um, but again, he's a he's little slightly different situation. He's a pending restricted free agent, does have arbitration rights. Um, it sounds like the Wild are going to be hesitant on contract extension talks, maybe not willing to pay the price of what an arbitrator might award him. Um, I think Connor Dewar is perfect at what he does. I think he's a he's a, just a, a decent, solid fourth line forward. Like I don't think there's an untapped ceiling there. Like, I don't think he's got going to be a guy that ends up being, like, a tweener. I think he just is what he is. He's a speedy, mm-hmm. gritty kind of pit, pit bull, I think, was his nickname in juniors, right? Like, he's just kind of a, a yeah, gritty, high-energy, fourth-line guy that can play, you know, on your penalty kill. He is what he is. Um, and you can, you know, you, you might, I think, down the line, again, it's you have some guys that need spots, and that's a role they can probably fill either internally or they can go if they really, you know, can't find it in the offseason. You can probably yeah. go fill that or revisit him in free agency over the summer potentially too, if you know. So preferred destination for him, I I've, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where Connor Dewar fits. Um, wherever Duhame goes, s- just send them together. They're a package deal. If you take one Dewey, you got to take both. They're a package deal. Um, so we're sending them both to the Rangers. That's their new. They got Dewey, Dewey, and Goudreau. Yeah. I'm looking at teams that have terrible penalty kill percentage, and uh, <laughs> is, it is it just Winnipeg, Toronto, yeah, <laughs> Vancouver, Toronto? I think Toronto would maybe want size. Yeah, yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> Marissa Voss, I hope you're not listening to this part of the podcast. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If he gets traded, it's it'll be tough for her. <laughs> just know that if it happens, I, I've been through with Nino. It sucks. You just you mm-hmm. become a fan of another team. It's the way it goes. Yeah. Even if that team is Winnipeg, just 
Yeah. So it is. That's it's questionable, but you know it happens. <laughs> but they can't trade him for Victor Ask, so it's the good thing. <laughs> or the equivalent. All right. Uh, yeah, and then Pat Maroon again. I think you know a lot of these guys. You know, it fills the same yeah. archetype of yeah. the the depth fourth line. Thing with Maroon mm-hmm. is like his intangibles are leadership. I, he hasn't played like hardly a second of special teams. Obviously, the mm-hmm. pedigree is there. His his locker room presence is well known. He's won whatever it is three cups in the last whatever four or five years. Whatever yeah. the the stretches mm-hmm. like. That's what you're adding there. I wouldn't expect like any sort of significant return. With it. Did they acquire him was like a fifth or a sixth round pick? I think when they traded for him this year, I would imagine like maybe if they can convince the team that he's healthy, maybe you just recoup that asset. But like it's not. A, I would be shocked if it's more than like a fifth a fifth round pick. But and then Bogosian, hmm. I like I said, I don't think it's going anywhere. Flower not going anywhere, and I don't really think there's anybody else unless you get you know someone to bite on a Goudreau or a Merrill. Like I just. So it'll probably be a relatively speaking quiet deadline. I think Duham's obviously the one to watch, and you know, depending, you know, if that quote unquote price is a haul, um, you know, I don't know what that's. Re- I saw that tweet too. Uh, Jacob Stoller um, was bringing a Frank Cervalli report, um, was the one that that used that terminology. Um, so it sounds like lots of teams are high on him. So per- perhaps teams maybe maybe betting on this is more of a down year and seeing what I've seen in the past. And, you know, a, a, a guy I thought coming out of last year yeah. had potential to be a good third line type player. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think there'll be any rush to get that done. I think a lot of what happens over these next couple games against Nashville and St. Louis will have a very heavy influence on uh, the path that Bill Guerin decides to go down. If it were me, I would trade both of them. Um, in my opinion, like you're not, you will not make it on the playoffs unless Philip Gustin or Marc Andre Fleury carries you on their on their back. That is yeah. the only <laughs> way they get out of the first round. I'm not going to change my tone on that. Even if they they could win out the rest of the season, I'm not changing my tone on that. And mm-hmm. if you know you're not bringing those two guys back, and you know you're not going to win a Stanley Cup, your best form of asset management is to trade those players and get whatever you can for them. Um, yeah, that's yeah, my. Point. Yeah. That is to me that is a hockey decision. It's you know you have to take the emotions out of it. You have to take the well the maybe the chance that we win like just plan for the worst and do your best with the assets that you have and don't don't pull up Paul Fenton and fumble the bag by keeping Eric Stahl when you could have gotten like a first round pick and a prospect for him. Yeah. <laughs> totally yep. I mean you got to make spots like you said a couple times in the show too for these young guys coming and a few couple next year too as well so. I mean, got a lot of players that have no move clauses. So, <laughs> like players even mentioned, like Vinny Letary's looked good in the NHL. This yeah, year. Like, that's a guy that could easily play a fourth line right. type of role too. That's probably going to be a, a cheaper, you know, a cheaper acquisition. Or you know, there's a lot of these tweeners that they could fill in and cheaper. And yeah, so all right, I think mm-hmm. we've we've rambled long enough tonight. Some tangents. Yeah. I think we're starting to get tired. You're approaching <laughs> approaching ten o'clock. Um, so I guess we'll go. Uh, any any final thoughts here uh, before we sign off on the trade deadline edition of trade deadline and Rat Huzadinov hype edition of Popcorn? Um, basically, don't expect a whole lot from the trade deadline. Enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy the the few weeks coming up here between the high school state tournament and eventually you know the college tournaments will start to ramp up here too. So uh, we're coming up on uh, a, a really fun part of the hockey season. Um, 
between all the hockey levels. So enjoy. Yeah, no, uh, second that uh, absolutely. It's always a uh, always a great time, and uh, you know, just hopefully, you know, big game in Nashville tomorrow night to, uh, for the playoff hopes this year. So hopefully, they have a good performance tomorrow night. Nashville, they I think it was like six two or six one something when they were out here earlier this year. So. Maybe not that, but you know, hopefully they can uh, have a big win tomorrow night and keep themselves in the race for another few games at the very least. Yeah, this is like the uh, the the gauntlet of of great sports season. You know, you had the Super Bowl, then there's a little bit of the break, then you got you had girls state tournament last week. I think congrats to I believe it was Warroad and Edina. I believe that took home the state championships for the women. I mean, you have PWHL. I believe their playoffs are. Around the corner, you have the boys' state tournament. You got the college hockey regional tournaments and Frozen Four. You have March Madness for basketball, and you have the Stanley Cup playoffs starting. Baseball season, like that that time from like the second weekend in March to like the second to third week in April, are just electric mm-hmm. for sports. Yeah. Like such a great time. Always a time I look forward to. Usually, I would say the weather's getting warmer, but the weather never got colder really. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've had like three bursts since november of like it was i had to put on a jacket today for three days but mm-hmm. um so we have that to look forward to i i haven't i got i'm getting emails like golf courses opening up now for the season starting on friday like just insanity um I think that was so if you're looking at a pebble creek and beckers has tea time starting at 8 a.m i think 9 a.m friday and 8 a.m saturday so <laughs> and they're open for the season now so that, i mean that's just yeah. Until the yep. until the April blizzard, so. Well, yeah, that's true. It's gonna be uh, it. it'll be right on my birthday. I guarantee it. Right on April twelfth, we'll, we'll get a <laughs> April blizzard. It'll happen. We'll have, and then we'll have snow on the ground till the middle of May. Um, that's the reverse jinx. Just letting you know that's not gonna yeah. happen because it's not gonna happen. So, and if it does happen, yep. it wasn't my fault. Um, no. but yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> We've ranted long enough. Uh, Justin, remind everyone where they can follow you and all of your work. Uh, you can find me at DE's2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with CapriceF Countdown. You can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke? Uh, yeah, as usual, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Zeke Black, capital Z and a capital B. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well at Sound the Foghorn. All one word, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, huge games for the Wild coming up uh, tomorrow slash tonight, depending on when you're listening to this, against the Nashville Predators, and then following that up with a game against the St. Louis Blues and the trade deadline a week from Friday on March 8th. Um, depending on what happens there, we may perhaps try to do some sort of emergency pod over the weekend if there's anything um, notable to cover uh, from that sense. Um, otherwise, we will be back with you hopefully sometime uh, in March to evaluate hopefully at the time that the Wild are back in the playoff mix um, and that these things that they've built on over the last month or so here uh, continue mm-hmm. on. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Foghorn. Horn. <laughs> <laughs>